in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, on this annual parish meeting Sunday, I was reflecting about the church, about the nature of the church. And if you were given an exam, and there was a blank, and the question on the exam was, how would you define the church, what would you write in the blank? How would you define the church? And as I began to think about this, uh, of course, there's many, many uh, issues with trying to define the church. It's a broad and wide topic. Uh, There is much disagreement about the church in many, many ways. But if you were to boil down in terms of sort of an essential thing, what would be that definition for you of the church? What is the church? And this is the essential definition that I came up with. The church is Christ and his people. Christ and his people. You could turn it around and say Christ and his people is the church. So there's many ways to describe the church, many aspects of the church. But I think that is an adequate, essential description. The church is Christ and his people. So today I want to talk about three uh, aspects, three definitions, three presentations of the church. We had the annual parish meeting and we talked about numbers. We talked about organizational issues and processes and things like that. Institutional things, which are all aspects of, of the church as a, any organization, but I want to talk about three special aspects of the church today. The church as a family, the family of God, the church as the body of Christ, and then the church as a living organism working together in mission and ministry. So, if you were to reflect just a bit and had the time to do that, which I'm not sure any of us have the time, but if you were to reflect just a little bit, what would your self-understanding be of how you relate to the church, your self-understanding of how you relate to Christ, and your self-understanding of how you relate to one another in the church? Because those are very, very important categories to consider. Well, the good news is that God wants a family. He wants people to join him, to be in communion with him, and to reign with him forever, and to share the splendor and the wonder and the glory of God. That's part of the good news, that God wants that. Why God wants that, I don't know. I cannot tell you. But he really wants people like us to join him. In the book of Hebrews, it says, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children share his glory. Isn't that amazing? So we're not accidents. We've come into this world because God wants us to come into this world. And in fact, God is leading us to join him to be a part of his family and to share in the riches of his glory. In the book of Ephesians, Paul said this, God's unchanging plan has always been 
to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave God great pleasure. Aren't those amazing words that God has pleasure, that God is uh, wondering and, and, and uh, involved in this process of bringing us <clears throat> as his children to be with him? The reason for this, of course, is, is that God is love. The overflowing heart and energy of God is just calling everyone to join his family. And that family, of course, is the church. Well, the next aspect of what the church is, is the church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Now, this is not just metaphorical language. We really should take this seriously And take it almost as literally as we can, as we can uh, somehow allow in these minds of ours, because we are joined in a union with Christ that is actually deeper than the union that we experience with one another in this world. The deepest union of a partnership between people, uh, the marriage union, is in fact just a physical reminder of the deeper union between Christ and his church. And of course, once, our, once a spouse dies, the marriage is dissolved, but our marriage and our union with Christ will never be dissolved. And so this union is real, absolutely real. And in fact, we are members of Christ's body in this world And we represent Christ in this world in the most literal way we can conceive of. Christ is our head. Our head is ascended, is in the realm, the abode of God in the heavens. His body is present on the earth. And we really are the hands, the eyes, the feet, the mouth of Christ himself. This is the way that Christ is known and experienced in the world. It's me and you. St. John Chrysostom, probably the best known preacher of the church of all ages, says this, Christ is the head of the body, but what use is the head without hands, without eyes, without legs, without ears? He goes on to say, so great is Christ's love for the church that he, as it were, regards himself incomplete unless he has the church united to him as a body. Now, I know that this may be new language for some people and it's hard to conceive of, but it is an amazing burden to think of ourselves as literally in union with Christ. We are his body in the world and that his presence is known and experienced through me and through you. What an incredible burden that is. We have enough troubles all by ourselves, don't we? Don't we have enough things to do? Aren't we all tangled up in too many things? We're distracted. We've got crazy schedules. We've got things inside of us we're trying to deal with. We've got crazy families. Uh, How can we be representing Christ in this world, right? But that is the call 
that is laid upon each one of us, members of the body of Christ. So we can move deeper, we can move deeper to understand that the church is not just a dispenser of religious services that we choose to consume from time to time, but in fact, we actually are the church. We talk about going to church, and there's nothing wrong with that language because we're going to church. We're at church right now, but we are the church. We are Christ's body before we ever go to the building. And that's the change in the understanding, the change of our self-understanding that uh, really should take place. So we see ourselves differently, uh, and of course we will probably feel the burden uh, that has been placed on us in this call. Dallas Willard says that we see the reality of Jesus risen, his actual existence now as a person who is present among his people. That's us. We find him in his church, his sometimes motley but always glorious crew of called out ones. That's us. This glorious crew of called out ones, the word ekklesia for church, the Greek word for church means those who are called out of the world to be Christ's own. He says that we trace Christ from those uncomprehending encounters on the first Easter morning and on through the amazing different historical periods of the church, but we also find him now active among his disciples. Who he is is revealed in an essential way in his people. Isn't that amazing? Well, before we begin, get too depressed about this calling and this burden of representing Christ in the world, we have to know that we don't do it alone. And in fact, the Reverend Dr. Peter Walker, who is our lead tour guide for our trip to Israel, for those who are going, uh, we leave on February the 19th, the Reverend Dr. Peter Walker says this, the church, unlike any other organization in the world, is made up of people, all of whom have the spirit of their master and Lord living inside of them. Now, Apple doesn't have this going on. Amazon doesn't have this going on. Goldman Sachs doesn't have this going on. The church is the only organization in the world where the spirit of the founder and the very life of the founder lives in the entire corporate body. And that's why we won't get depressed about this great call and burden of representing Christ because Christ in us can help us and strengthen us and is with us every step of the way. Well, we are God's family. We're in the family of God. Families always have difficulties. We know that. And the church has always had difficulties, but we'll work it out. And the center of that family is the love of God, the love for one another. We are the body of Christ, really representing Christ in this world. We have our baptismal unity because we're all baptized into Christ. We share the Father. That's why we say our Father. We share Christ together. No one has 
uh, more of God or Christ or the Spirit than anybody else. We all share the Spirit. We are members one of another in the body of Christ, but that's a separate sermon. And then I want to go to the last point that we participate in Christ's mission and ministry. And we do this because the church is a living organism, a living organism. There are metaphors for this, but the one that I came across recently was, is that the church as a living organism is like a beehive. There's a lot of different activity, but it's all going to the purpose of producing honey. And some of the bees fly a lot further and harder than other bees because they're doing all the pollination. Some bees hang around the hive longer. They have different duties. There's different shapes and sizes, but they all work together for a common mission and ministry with that hive to produce the honey. And I think it's a great metaphor because each one of us has different gifts. Each one of us has different strengths. Each one of us is in a different time in the life cycle of human beings. And sometimes you have more time, sometimes you have less time. Sometimes you can do certain things and sometimes you can do larger things. It all depends on all that works out. But we all collectively work together for one goal And the goal is the mission and the ministry of the church. And the way the Episcopal Church defines that mission and ministry is this. It's in the prayer book to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. And so we are doing that as we continue to live together, to work together, to love together We have a ministry inside the church, which has to do with the worship, which has to do with the Eucharist, which has to do with the preaching of the word and the healing and the pastoral care, all of the things inside of the church. But we also have the ministry outside the church, and we would use this type of language to describe that, the language of Jesus himself. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, Heal the sick, welcome the stranger, visit the imprisoned, proclaim the good news, give money to the poor, love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself, even loving your enemies. Be reconciled, take up your cross, lose your life in order to find my life. All of these sort of things make disciples. So the church is this glorious, wonderful family of God. We are the body of Christ, but Christ indwells us to help us to take that next step to represent him. And we are, in fact, a living organism working together to fulfill his mission and ministry in the world. And what a privilege and what an honor it is to be called as part of God's family, the body of Christ, and an organism to fulfill his ministry. Amen. Amen. Amen.